Is it me or was that the ugliest baby you have ever seen? TGIF, it's Manson Mitchell with Gary Manson, Suzanne Mitchell. A double shot of good conversation with great guests to jumpstart your weekend. Manson Mitchell, you're on the air. Thank you, Eric Kramer. Hi, everybody. I'm Gary Mans. I'm Suzanne Mitchell. Together we are Manson Mitchell in your ears for the hour if our luck holds up and if we stay on the good side of not only technology and the weather, but bad boy Benny Mathers at the board. How are you, Benny? Doing very well. Over there. <laughs> I didn't wow. know what I was doing, really. I just felt yeah. it was necessary. And I thought this was a non-sectarian <laughs> broadcast. It goes all in the territory since we've dug ourselves out from last weekend and our snowmageddon finally arrived and uh, is gone, which uh, is Seattleite language. That was perfect. Yes, oh, yes. I'm curious to know. I didn't see, I saw, you know, Snow Call Me Pass, Stevens Pass on the news and especially the Weather Channel. But locally, you always dreaded the not only snow on the hills and trying to get around if you couldn't stay home, but also mm -hmm. the black ice phenomenon. Which uh, wasn't a ca the case this year. It, w it had warmed up and rained so quickly after the uh, initial seven to eight inches. I don't know, I got about nine to ten. I had a couple drifts in my neighborhood and uh, on my house, so it was a little deeper in areas. But other than that, it went away in a couple days, and everyone was right back to business. Well, very good. Yeah. I'm glad it wasn't a big problem. Nah. I remember the, the 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 winter where the bus oh. went over the, oh, <laughs> over my. the side. Oh, downtown to the oh. intersection. I remember that. <laughs> yeah, it was like hanging over a couple feet or so. It was. Oh, that was very scary. I'd hate to be the driver. Still, I wonder if he's... I'd hate to be a passenger. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. There's that too. <laughs> Well, very good. Very always, good to have you with us. As always. And uh, we've got a, a return guest, but he hasn't been on for years. We've been on 14 years. Uh, well, I've made it a personal point of pride to have Steve Allen, oh, PR oh. Steve Allen, if Steve Allen Media with us at least once a decade. All right. And so well, I this had is to it. Do, this is our booster <laughs> shot of Steve Allen PR. There, uh, if you go to the Steve Allen Media website, this is what you're going to read on the homepage. We are a bi-coastal public relations agency with offices in LA, San Francisco, and New York, working solely with innovative companies and individuals striving to make a positive impact in the world. Honed by nearly 30 years of experience, we provide clients with highly customized media campaigns aimed at amplifying your message, enhancing your business, establishing you as a leader in your field, and increasing visibility in a way that uniquely aligns with your work. Our in-depth expertise encompasses consumer trade, digital, and Spanish language outlets, making us the premier public relations team to strategize specific and effective solutions for your particular campaign needs. And there are the watchwords. Steve Allen Media is PR with a conscience. So much so that Nuna Alberts, senior editor of Woman's World magazine, once said, Steve proves that ethical public relations is not an oxymoron. And so we're glad to have with us once again, not an oxymoron, Steve Allen. How are you today, sir? Hey, 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 hey. Uh, <laughs> hey should I, should I uh, start the video or only audio? I, I'm not sure which way you want to that go. Is, that is up to you. We are not recording uh, the huh? video part of it. So that we means he's only... getting on right away. <laughs> okay. Right. I'm we're recording the audio I'm, part. I'm, I'm open if you like. Uh, you know, I'm cool. Hey, Benny. Hey, good to meet you oh, finally. This is perfect. 
This hey, is hey. perfect. Ladies and gentlemen, in our listenership, our wide audience, and you kids up in the back, I want you to know that Steve Allen, our Steve Allen, hey, hey. is is definitely who he says he is in the world of PR, a man with a conscience. And behind him, not only he's at his office there, and behind him, not only is there a giant red telephone, about because, ten feet tall, about yeah. ten feet tall, but and then he's got what appears to be a copier, and on the other side of that, a black and white, glossy of Steve Allen, the other one, the other Steve Allen, who is no longer with us in the body, but definitely blessed in memory, and who is a multifaceted genius, and I take oh, it also. I also see the pictures of. Uh, uh, uh that is uh, the Dalai Lama's uh, oracle. And Dalai Lama, right above, right above the picture, I don't know if it's there, he sent us a note. We have a note from Dalai Lama wanting us to promote uh, his uh, oracle. And we did a 14-city tour, which I put it up there because you had to say, like, you know, what are your, like, what is, like, uh, one of the coolest things that you've ever, you know, promoted besides Vincent Jenna, uh, you know, uh, whatever. And uh, maybe I can show you. Can you see if I move, I move my camera? Let me go a little closer. It's up there. You see the, uh, yeah, up there. Well, above that picture, you, there's a, anyway, there's a, something from there. He signed it. And so we did a 14 city tour uh, of, of the, now I'm screwed up here. Uh, oh, stop touching the thing, Stephen. Oh, my gosh, <laughs> almighty. So, we apologize you. to our viewers. <laughs> You mean our, listen, our, with listeners. The camera. Radio yeah, our listeners? I know, I know, I know, I know. Yeah, I think, uh, so I will stop. Um, anyway, I, I put that up there to remind me. And I also have a picture on the other corner, which I can show you. I have a picture, and I took all the sayings away. I have a businessman in a big picture. You want to see it? Or do I? No. Uh, I, I, have a big picture, I have a big picture of Jesus Christ talking to a businessman. Okay. And the two of them in our office. And I kept, I was so fascinated by the picture because all these sayings, I got rid of all the sayings and just blacked them all out, blacked them all out. Because what's the thing? Like you said, PR with a conscience. As I become an older dude, and, and as you see me, I do realize what's the right thing to do? What is the right thing to do? And because of that, and because of thinking like that and doing our gratitude list every day and, and trying to help other people light up. Uh, because that's the whole game, uh, is, to, is to light up. Uh, it, it's really helped us. We're celebrating 30 years uh, in, in the business, and our eight-member team, which we still have, going strong. Uh, and I think I, I want to attribute that um, to our longevity. I'm going to attribute that to our longevity. I know I got off on a tangent there, but that, uh, and I'm looking at Suzanne. Hi, look at you. I haven't seen you in a while. And, and your husband, I haven't seen your husband. In, She's there. You know. I'm around. I'm hovering. There you go. You know, it's a, uh, what's the that old song? Husband. Yeah, it's been a long time, been a long time, been a long, a long, a long, it, long. It's been a long time, although we are so connected with your office because we talk to yeah. people that you represent on a very regular basis. Yeah. And I, I'm afraid if I named too many of them, I would end up leaving somebody out, but you know, we, we and talk everybody about enjoys being with you too, by the way. Oh, they little do. Oh, a little tit for tat. Yes, oh, yes, that's for sure. Right. No, no, no. And that's why we keep coming back. All right. And we have a long association and we are proud of that. I also would 
be curious to know how many of our listeners are wondering if there's some kind of show business connection because this guy talks like an insider. Well, in fact, he is an insider. He might say was, but he's still connected and maintains strong friendships with a lot of people. Many will remember the man, the father of the ugly baby in Seinfeld, <laughs> a wonderful classic <laughs> episode. And uh, there was something in there about shrinkage, but his character was not involved in that. No, no. <laughs> you know, Gary, I cannot believe you pulled that out of your hat. Oh, that's a great, I cannot believe, I don't, you know, yes, yes. Uh, the answer is yes. And I still get phone calls, by the way. I'm like, to people, how do you track down the father of the ugly baby? I mean, how do you find me? Not that many. I'm not, I'm not, that's exaggerating. I stopped about five years ago. I was probably getting two a, a year. Now I get maybe one every two years. But people find me. Are you the father of the ugly baby on the Seinfeld series? Yes, yes. And, uh, which is a fun story, by the way, if I can give it to you. Please. Yeah. When I got, when I got cat, uh, Larry David, I like Larry David. And, and I like his uh, show, uh, uh, Curb Your Enthusiasm, Curb. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's it's what a clever, clever show. And so he's in the room with Jerry Seinfeld, the two of them. And, and we get down to the finals and they're casting people. And they said, Steve, you know, we, we, we'd like you to be the father of the ugly baby. I said, oh, great. Wonderful. Wonderful. And they made it a point to say, but Steve, remember, you're not an ugly guy. I mean, you know, no, no, because you're, you're, this is just a fluke kid. You're really sort of a handsome guy. So, so, so don't live like walk out of here thinking, oh, my gosh, you now have some type of, uh, you know, <laughs> problem with yourself as your cast as the ugly guy. And I said, stop, stop, stop. No, God, I love you guys. No, no, I get it. I get it. I totally get it. But they were so hard on that point. You're not ugly. You are not a really an ugly guy. And I thought that was kind of funny. And I also thought that was kind of kind of charming and lovable. But uh, being well, on that, well, what ends up happening in that in that scene where uh, where Elaine and Jerry are are standing over the crib, and I noticed it because I looked at it again this morning, and the 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 two of them are like, oh, and uh, and the wife says, go get the camera; it's in the bottom dresser drawer. And then it, when you walk out, she goes, he's so stupid. <laughs> I know. <laughs> not yeah. ugly but stupid <laughs> yeah, yeah. and see they didn't tell me that part Susan. they didn't tell me that i was going to be the, the stupid guy yeah but, uh, yeah all, all good stuff I, I was very fortunate because uh at, at one point after my my television career uh which i was lucky i did 23 tv shows where i was actually guest star you know that kind of stuff and i even did a show with uh, oj simpson for 10 oh. days, yeah, which was crazy, called First and 10 uh, with HBO. And, uh, but uh, my wife, God bless her, uh, you know, uh, uh, just, she approached me and she said, you know, Steve, we only have $108 left. And we, we paid our bills, we've, our rent, we, uh, we, uh, we don't own a car, we, we rent this thing, and uh, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Don't you think we ought to make a little more? You know, so then the pressure came on, and she was about to give birth to our fourth child, and I had to give her a ride to uh, to, the, to the restaurant where she was waitressing at six months pregnant. And uh, so I meditated on my trees, my palm trees, and I asked for guidance, and I went back uh, and asked this guy who I was working part-time with. I had three part-time jobs. And I said, hey, what if I put in more time in this PR world? And he says, come on, come on. So I, I talked to my agents, and I gave up uh, – the acting spikes and uh, 
became a publicist, and then uh, a couple of years later, I started my own gig, and uh, you know, here it is. Life is, uh, my wife's not a waitress anymore. You know, I'm glad you told that story because that was actually one of the things I was curious about, and we yeah. didn't talk to you about that the first time, is how that, how and when that transition occurred between acting and public relations. Yeah. But now ripped from today's headlines, and I mean ripped from today's headlines. Are you happy that you are not the publicist for Ted Cruz this morning? <laughs> oh, my gosh. I, 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 me, 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 Ted Can Cruz? Cancun, Cancun Cruz. Can Cruz. Uh, you know, he said, God bless him. Wow. You know, I mean, uh, you know, my, my, uh, and then you watch like Hannity had him on and she's going the other way. said, oh, you were only going to go for a little while. But no, and then, then the Cruz says, no, I was going to go the whole weekend. So I was like, oh, but no, everybody's taking uh uh, and rightfully so, rightfully so. I mean, I guess the wife had all the texts going out to her friends saying, come join us. We're going to have a great down, time down in uh, uh, Cancun and come on, everybody. So, yeah, you don't really leave when there's a fire uh, happening uh, down the street. You sort of stay with it and help put it out uh, and gain some uh, real kudos. But, uh, yeah, no, and being a PR guy, you're right, Uh you're always looking at those kind of things and what's always the right thing to do and what should I be doing? And uh, somebody did hear an apology. I, I, I heard a, I made a mistake, which kind mm -hmm. of surprised me on the, uh, on the news. Yeah. I, I, I made a, I made a bad choice. I made a mistake and tried to correct it as fast as I can. And I thought that was good. And I was going to ask you as a, a public relations person, yeah. you know, what do you recommend? I don't know if you've been in this situation with your people before, and you don't have to name any names, but you know, when there when there is something that needs some damage control, I mean, is every situation unique or do you have something that you recommend like apologize right away? Good question. Good question. Um, you know, it depends what your who, who your PR firm is. Some PR firms will, 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 you know, because the hand has a lot of fingers, uh, you know, you could recommend a lot of different strategies. Uh, our finger and our number one finger is always tell the truth. Uh, and that's what we'll always do. You always tell the truth, which we have given that advice. Where, where it becomes advice is when do I tell the truth? Do I tell it immediately? And, and do I tell it at the end of the day? Do I wait a couple of days? Because really what happens is everything sort of settles just like a fresh snow everything will settle. And once it's settled, you may have a clearer picture of what to do and how I tell the truth, but tell the truth. Because uh, otherwise you walk around with that terrible feeling inside and your gut uh, starts turning and now you're like a sideways guy and you're, you know, it's, a, it's, a, it's an interesting dilemma. So yes, that's my two cents. Thank you for bringing that up, Suzanne. This is this is a segment that I didn't even know we would be covering in the last 36 hours, all of a sudden, oh, I've got a big one for Steve Allen. This is so great. This is heaven sent. I remember a book, when we talk about strategies, I remember a book that I thoroughly enjoyed reading, written by a luminary in political PR from days gone by. He's no longer with us, but he was famous and even notorious at times. His name was Vic Gold. And he wrote a book about his experience in D.C. and working closely with famous political candidates. And he even was doing PR work and making observations about what he saw going on, the inside baseball of the Watergate crisis. 
Huh? So he had plenty to say. He took the title for his book from a comment made to him by one of his political clients way back when. His book is called, I Don't Need You When I'm Right. <laughs> uh, uh, <laughs> well put, well put. And well this put. is, now it, this didn't come from the late great Barry Goldwater, but if you want to talk about this guy's chops, Vic Gold was the assistant press secretary in the 1964 Barry Goldwater campaign for president. So he was really up there in his daily operations. He learned a lot and he said a lot. He was known to have an explosive temper, but that's because he was a perfectionist. And in the process, he became beloved by many journalists because if they needed a room because they hopped on the campaign plane, it was a last second opportunity. He would make sure they got a good room, that they were fed and watered, their needs were attended to. And so they knew these journalists that they could depend upon him. Big aspect of PR and publicity and as I look at this, I think about guys like you, Steve, and a guy like Vic Gold, and there would be many others who are luminaries in the field of public relations. And I, I like to think, what if, if I put on their hat, if I wanted to be in their shoes, then what would I do with a guy like Ted Cruz? And I came up with this idea just this morning. I thought, well, you know, <laughs> but let's see if we can save poor Ted Cruz because, you know, I mean, there's been calls for his resignations for weeks anyway. And so uh, if, if you're trying to work for this guy, God help you. But anyway, if you were, what would you say to him today? Here's what I think I would do, Stephen. You can grade me on A to F, however it sounds to you. I would not only issue the apology with the, leading with the admission that I made a mistake, obviously, and then leave it that way with a pregnant pause. What he did instead was, and he's had a couple of opportunities at least to do this, he was at home uh, doing a Zoom interview and he said, I made a mistake. And I thought, okay, there he's admitted it. But a split second later, he said, on the other hand, <laughs> you know, a comment like, by the same token, I really, when I was sitting on the plane, I had second thoughts just as we were on the plane and we were getting ready to take off. And, and I thought, you know, should I really be doing this? But I was taking my daughters to Cancun and let's face it, I'm a dad there. And I remember thinking, man, you just blew a golden opportunity. They're using I'm a dad because you're going to escort the chaperone style, your daughters to Cancun and stay there a few days while other people are boiling snow for their water is bad optics. It doesn't sound good in any context. You shouldn't have done it. What he could have, and in my opinion, should have done was to say, I made a mistake and I apologize for that. I was wrong. Here is what I am going to do proactively. I am getting together with Senator Cornyn, my colleague, from uh, the United States Senate in Texas, I am going to set up a meeting with him and members of the House delegation from Texas. And we are going to look at a strategy to get to the bottom of why this happened after we determine how much relief we can secure through FEMA. And we want to ensure that this never happens again. So folks, I am stateside and I am committed to removing the root causes of this so that people don't have to suffer in the state of Texas ever again. And I want to take the lead on that. If he had done that, he would have turned it completely around and he would get to be the good guy for a change. 
that it doesn't seem to be the way he's doing it. He's deflecting it by saying, well, the Austin mayor, you know, he was AWOL during a crisis, deflecting, deflecting. And that in PR terms, Steve, don't you think that's kind of the act of a desperate person? Uh, well put, Gary. Well put. And he, uh, you know, uh, obviously in a past life, you were a publicist or, or, or maybe you were a pirate. I'm not sure. I can't figure <laughs> it out yet. Uh, but, uh, you know, it's like Elvis Presley, they said, had a really a cool publicist, the colonel. Uh, and I, you know, I, I sometimes in my, in my own meditations, I try to feel if I can channel him or wh what he must have been like uh, if you were handling Elvis. Give me a break. <laughs> but, uh, you know, you're right. I mean, uh, you're right. Yeah, you know, it's like if you asked us about what, what our, we have done damage control, when do I tell the truth? How do I tell the truth? And what is the real truth? But why not also add... Uh, 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 why not say, hey, look, I've already been on the phone and we are going to be getting together with the other senators. We are going to be doing this. I did make that mistake in between and I could have stayed home and kept the kept the pressure up because no one's really getting together uh, yet down there. They're, they are doing Zoom calls, so they could have brought that up. But no, you know, you, you, we all, you're right. You're right. It's a, uh, when do I tell the truth? How do I tell the truth? Uh, for help you God, tell the damn truth. You know, and, uh, and move on. But, and also, too, I am I, not really a big fan of him anyway. I think that, uh, you know, he's one of the big proponents of spreading the big lie and keeping that going. And the big lie is tearing us apart. And the big lie is just being continued to be fed, continued to be fed, even though it's, uh, you know, lost uh, you know, almost 60 different cases across the country, Supreme Court twice. It's still being spread as a possibility. It's not. It's over. And uh, anyway, but he's one of those guys that really are pushing it. But um, Gary, good question. Suzanne, you're, you're next. Next question, please. I'll do Jeopardy. I'll do Jeopardy for 40. Uh, politics, please. Well, I, you know, I was just thinking, um, you know, you're talking about the big lie. And so what if you're working for the other side? You're not trying to help Ted Cruz do his thing. You're trying to uh, negate that big lie that has been out there since the election. Um, you've got, uh, what is it, 7 million more people who voted for Joe Biden. And, uh, and so how do, you, how, do you, how do you counteract that? How do you counteract a big lie if you are in public relations? And if I was working in the government, and how would I do it? Yes, yeah. I think that, uh, and I think, uh, Joe Biden did have almost seven, almost eight million more votes. So we do know that. Right. Um, uh, you know, what you would do, I, I, think, I think through Joe's leadership, I think he's got a 60% uh, approval rating now. And I think if he keeps moving forward and schools open up and we do get the vaccine and all of a sudden there's a little rocky music in the air and people are starting to come around or whatever else, that's going to bode well. That'll bode well because I'll listen I'll listen to you more so if, if good things are going on. And if, you, if good things are going on, I will listen. It, it's almost like the Jesus Christ thing, and I don't mean to bring him up again, but I think the, I think the brother must have been really in tune what was going on because he would go down by the water and he would talk about sailing and fishing, whatever else, and everybody loved him. He would go up to the, the fields, the agriculture, how to pull weeds, that, that, that. Everybody loved him. He knew how to talk back. He'd go to the bars. He knows he would go downtown. Everybody loved him. He could, he could handle everybody. 
And as Joe starts handling everybody and talking the way I want to hear it and doing things that prove my point, I'll believe you. I'll start, I'll start maybe thinking that you are, and, I, and, I'll, and I'll keep coming forward with it. Um, because I don't know if you could do it any other way, Suzanne, because the, there are so many people into the big lie. Uh, how, do you, how do you win them over? How do you, you know, how do you win them over? I guess the only way you win them over is just uh, through, through actions that are beautiful, through actions that are, are positive. Uh, getting our country back on its feet and going to work and school and going out to restaurants and being able to travel again, I think that'll bode well. I think that'll be like, you know, hey, this has happened. It didn't happen you know, in the last administration. It's happening now. I think standing there arguing, I don't think you can win right now. Right now it's just the... Uh, yeah. Both media sides love the fight. Well, I couldn't agree with you more, and and that is that the arguing just creates more arguing and more entrenchment and yeah. more division. Well put. And so you know, I, I I ask myself, you know, what is mine to do in healing the country? And the only answer that I can come up with that makes any sense is to be nice to everybody, regardless of where they stand politically. And that's kind of tough sometimes, um, you know, because I, I, I just feel like they're so wrong. <laughs> so, you know, it, I, I have to get off and onto other topics. You know, what can we agree on? What do we have in common? Looking for that commonality that doesn't have to do with politics. And, and, and also, too, when you are talking to those people or whatever yeah. else, you can start feeling it in your stomach. Uh, I, 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 you can start feeling a, a, that feeling that you don't like starting to bubble in your stomach. And now that's where, that's where the, that surrender, uh, that word conscious, uh, that word trust, uh, you really got to be aware, awareness. You really need to be aware of what am I feeling right now? You can't say it out loud because then you look like a nut. But what, what happens is you start feeling it yourself. And when I get that feeling, uh, I almost jumped into an old uh, Marvin Gaye song. When I get that feeling, I need sexual healing, no, uh, whatever. Um, but when you start getting that feeling, Suzanne, when you start getting that feeling, that's yeah. when you nip it. Because either I, yeah. either, I, either I water that, because I got a big sign over here in my room, who waters you? Who waters, who waters Suzanne? Obviously you do. So you gotta become more aware of yeah. who you are, how to operate, because uh, where you're right, uh, what's the best thing to do? Uh, brighten up. Show you you got to get really bright. The brighter you get, uh, the better the moth that will attract. Right, right. And I don't really want to fight with people. That isn't what no. I want my life to be about. Right on, girl. Right on. Yeah. yeah. No, no, you're right. Let us go ahead and take our one and only break of this hour. We're talking to Steve Allen, the PR guy, the one with the conscience. There, and I'm sure that he does not have an ugly baby, but he played one on TV, the dad of the ugly baby on Seinfeld. And he sat at the dinner table in a famous scene from that famous episode with none other, with a lot of people actually, uh, wonderful comedians. And one of them was Jason Alexander. When we come back, there are a couple of things I would like to bring up to Steve Allen and get his assessment about um, things in which he had a creative hand. It'll be a lot of fun. We're talking PR here, the good way, PR with a conscience. You're listening to Manson Mitchell. Give us a couple of minutes. We will be right back at Seattle's home of Alternative Talk, AM 1150. 
staying connected with Gary Mance and Suzanne Mitchell is easy. Just go to manceandmitchell.com for the latest info on topics and guests. Friend Gary Mance and Suzanne Mitchell on their Facebook pages and like the Mance and Mitchell show page at facebook.com slash Mitchell. If you're on Twitter, share a follow with Gary and Suzanne at Mance Mitchell. Join Gary and Suzanne Friday and Saturday mornings at 10 a.m. for an unusual show that covers everything from personal growth to the paranormal. Here's an amazing act. Here's a tremendous act. Here's a startling act. The amazing, the thrilling, the greatest, spectacular, incredible, exciting, wonderful, world-famed, most unusual novelty act. The home of the A-Team of Alternative Talk is ManceAndMitchell.com. Heard right here on Alternative Talk 1150 AM or streaming live from your computer anywhere. Terry Loving wants to help you with your online marketing challenges right now. She has several courses she is giving away to help you get your business working for you online. Yes, giving away. WordPress websites are her specialty, yet her technical skills go way beyond that. Check out her blog at terryloving.com or email her directly at terry at terryloving.com. That's terry at terryloving.com. Hi, I'm Dr. Shelley Place with today's tip for kids from the American Academy of Pediatrics. Kids are full of energy, but keeping them active in their teen years can be a challenge. Aim for an hour of physical activity every day. If they like sports, that's a great place to start. Keep the focus on fun, not winning, and encourage your child to do a variety of activities. If your child isn't meeting that 60-minute goal, gradually increase their activity in ways they enjoy. For more, talk with your pediatrician or visit HealthyChildren.org. On Friday, Manson Mitchell welcomed PR pro Steve Allen to talk about public relations and the fine art of promoting yourself. On Saturday, Lauren Archer returns with fresh insights and some evergreen advice for dehypnotizing yourself from false beliefs. Bringing you fascinating talk one hour at a time since 2007. We are Manson Mitchell, Friday and Saturday mornings at 10 on Alternative Talk, AM 1150. Wherever you go, Alternative Talk 1150 is here for you. Welcome back to Manson Mitchell and our guest this hour, Steve Allen of Steve Allen Media. And if if people want to um, look up your information, find you online, Steve, where is the best place for them to do that? Well, I tell you, I, uh, the website, the website is pretty much everything. And I'm, I'm Allen is A-L-L-E-N, uh, steveallenmedia.com. Uh, it pretty much should... Uh, answer just about everything it's uh, good. It, it is what it is good and thank it's you very good indeed uh steve i wanted to be, because it's just opportune because we have you on with us today i wanted to ask you your professional reaction to something kind of a cool thing to happen to one of your colleagues maybe he's a buddy of yours jason alexander i was watching the super bowl and who wasn't there and i'm seeing these these T-shirts with the huge face of uh, Jason Alexander there. And I'm going, well, what in the world is this? And as I got thinking about it, it was for a detergent commercial. And there's Jason Alexander on a T-shirt. He's reacting in, in Costanzo <laughs> mode to, to being there with his face being projected. And when I got thinking, now, he was in Pretty Woman as the uh, sex-starved business associate of Richard Gere's character. He was, of course, we all know George Costanza. He had these wonderful roles. All these years later, 
when he shows up in a commercial with his face just beaming out at you inimitably, I think, Steve, of a publicist, an agent, somebody who helps take charge of his creative life and seeks out opportunities as really having scored big because when you have something like that go on and you're a beloved character and the nostalgia factor is there it seems like somebody really hit a home run by getting him literally getting his face out in public in a big way at this late date that's extraordinary don't you think uh yeah yeah i mean you know he's also um you know, because of, it, it's funny how much he gets in residuals from the Seinfeld show. And what, what he has done, uh, you know, he's got money. So he has money. And what happens to Gary is like a lot of folks, you know, where am I in life? What is important to me? Uh, is it my family? <clears throat> you know, where am I going? What am I doing? He's also been out here in L.A. He's been the artistic director of a very cool theater. So that has kept him artistically, professionally busy for many a year. He really enjoys it. Well, the publicity says that he enjoys it. Uh, so he's been doing that. And plus, he does slip into other things here and there. So the brother's got money. He's got money. And then his agent says, you're not going to believe it. This detergent, I think it's Tide. Wasn't it Tide, Gary? Yes. A Tide approached this, uh, Jason, and they want to pay you $1.3 million dollars to allow us to use your face because Seinfeld and, and Friends, Seinfeld and Friends are pretty much considered the one, two uh, most viewed um, uh, series still on television, still on television, even though they're both on streamers now. Um, so they're gonna pay him money and you get residuals and you're gonna do it and it gets your face out there. It gets your face out there. So that was sort of clever thinking saying, hmm, uh, not only am I going to do a commercial, but my face is all over the commercial on T-shirts. Ha, ha, ha. So I thought it was a great move on his part. I thought it was really smart because he hasn't done anything else, but he chose that one. And that was sort of a, a you know, sort of a, he thought that out because Jason's not a, he's a smarty. He's a smarty pants guy. So I thought it was really a, a two thumbs up on his part. And he made some money. I always like it when actors will do something silly as though they're not taking themselves so seriously, especially when they've achieved a certain amount of fame. And it was like, oh, no, that's, you know, beneath me. I that was years ago. And when they will do something to show that that playful side, that light side, I always appreciate it. Like, oh, he's not taking himself so seriously. Look at all those funny faces on the T-shirts. And, and I like that. I appreciate that about certain people that do that. Yeah, no, 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 you're right. You know, what is life? You know, where is he in life? What is he thinking about every day to get through it, like all of us? You know? So, no, he's a fun guy. Yeah. And of course, you mentioned Larry David earlier, this, and I believe I have the figure correct at $30 million, and he's worth far more than that. Larry David was getting $30 million every time a season or some compilation of Seinfeld episodes was released so that you could pop in the DVD, the Blu-ray at home, and watch your favorite Seinfeld episodes. Every time they did that in phases, he gets $30 million. And I thought, man, I, you know, I don't have a head for business. 
However, I can't but admire somebody who saw down the road the kind of dividends that would pay due to syndication and then the convenience of having the item itself in your home, in your possession. That's extraordinary. $30 million every time that, that you can put that in uh, anything better than a sock and look how you grow your wealth. Don't forget, when Jerry was first approached and, and they're pitching the show, and I don't know who was pitching the show, but he ended up retaining ownership, part ownership. And he also said, if I'm going to Hollywood, I'm taking my buddy with me, Larry David. Ah. And because Larry was always known as the comedian's comedian. What do you mean? Up at Catch a Rising Star, uh, in upper, uh, up there in the Upper West, East Side uh, of Manhattan, when Larry would go on, he wouldn't really get a full audience. But... What he would get is all the comedians who are doing their shtick throughout the night who are at the bar hanging out. They go, oh, oh, Larry's on? And all the comedians would come in. Because that, he was the comedian's comedian. They all loved it. Uh, uh, Jerry Seinfeld loved him so much that part of the deal was Larry comes with me. And Larry came Very with him. Good. Yeah, so he, and I, well, Larry's great. When we did the show, it was interesting. The couple times that I was on the set, we'd be on the set. And, and the director is up there walking around, doing his things, and everybody's talking. And Larry was pacing up and down behind everybody. And you could see him over here, and then he'd be on the set, and he'd be, oh, there he's over there. Then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, you would hear, right in the middle of the scene, the, we're, we're rehearsing, you would hear Larry go, Jerry, that's not funny. That is not funny at all. And all of a sudden, everybody stopped, and Jerry go, why isn't it funny, Larry? Why do you think it's not funny? Here he comes. Here comes Larry David onto the set, and they both would go at it and goes, well, if you turned over this way, or if you delivered the line this way, and we all did this, I think it would work a lot better. Let's try it. So then we go back and forth, and the director would stand there just listening because these two guys are going at it, uh, you know, sort of like artistically. And, uh, yeah, you listen, and... Uh, and then they try to leave and go back and do it, do his pacing thing. And uh, anyway, but yeah, so yeah, you're right. It was a smart move. And I read also, uh, Gary, that uh, they said that they're making more money now. Well, it was about two or three years ago I read it. Uh, now, because it was playing on every station in the world, uh, everywhere, everywhere, because of residuals, uh, Jerry was, Jerry was, because he owned it, uh, and Larry. Um, than they were when they first made it. I love that. And it all goes back there. And again, this is based on my own internet research over the years. Yeah, yeah. But um, syndication, do you have any idea how many times, and Suzanne gets fed up with me, I'm going to bed. I've already seen enough of those horrible people. And the horrible <laughs> people are featured on a little show called King of Queens. I have my King of Queens appointment and I watch at least one episode uh, six nights out of seven. And sometimes I'll watch a couple. So I am thoroughly versed in uh, King of Queens universe. And I think, how many times have I seen this one? How many, how many times have I seen that one? Oh, but this one has this great line or this great scene. It all goes back to a decision that was made and how he came up with this, I have no idea. But it is said that the basis of TV syndication was the thought that Desi Arnaz had that 
they should film I Love Lucy with the high-end technology of the day to have really good prints of that show because people would enjoy watching them again. And the producers at the time, so I'm informed, said, Desi, are you crazy? They've already seen it. They don't need to go see it again. What, what do you mean syndicating these or, or keeping these as reruns? And he explained to them his idea. They went with it and look at what we have ever since. Wow, wow, great story, great story, wonderful story. Wow. So, uh, it's, it's amazing how you get these dividends to pay and, and that factors into, uh, not, it's not just the TV world, it's like if you're in PR, if you're in publicity, if you're somebody's agent, I love these guys who can look down the road in a prescient way to see what is the advantage in five years, 10 years. I find that admirable. There you go. There you are. No, and, and, and a lot of times too, what happens too, Gary, is you asking other people what they think. You know, you're talking to a producer and go, what do you think? What are you guys working on? So you're always asking a question because uh, there are so many beautiful minds out there, which we were discussing at the break. Uh, they, they may say, go, well, you know, what we're working on, we're working on, oh, that's interesting. Like I was talking to my uh, educational guy, who, a wonderful guy you should have on. Uh, and, uh, he was talking about how he was at the University of Illinois two weekends ago, giving a talk about education and AI. I said, wow. He goes, yeah, I was at Illinois. I was talking to the professors about AI and how it's coming into educational things. I'm going, wow. So then he's got me thinking about that. So as you meet other people and ask other questions, uh, to your wonderful thing, you're right. How do I find out what the next thing is? Uh, mostly it's listen. Not only to your own guidance, uh, listen, listen, but listen to other smart people talk. Steve Allen did not know that we were going to bring up something else related to the University of Illinois. Well, yeah. And, and where it's located. Well, we were is, talking and we didn't say, uh, yeah, in, there, uh, he didn't know. Champaign, Illinois. Illinois. Oh. Hey, I got to talk to Steve Allen about some stuff. Let's go. We, we already we exhausted Ted Cruz there. So let's see what else we could get into here with this guy. Lo and behold, there's a group called Champagne. Champagne back in the early 80s. Are you talking about Kelly's husband? Kelly's yes. husband, Dana Walden. And there is a wonderful column from about a year ago in the Chicago Tribune. And one of the stars of that column who got to typically, as Steve can tell you, PR guys are expected to be behind the scenes. It doesn't always turn oh. out that way, but that's the expectation. And he became part of this lovely piece about a song that was reimagined there by Dana Walden's son, Justin. How about us in order to reflect the times yes. in which we live? And there yes. was this beautiful column a write-up in the chicago tribune no less steve tell us the story behind that if you would um well black lives matter is, is sort of a big deal out there and uh it's there's a lot of truth to it and uh and i do i'm i'm, I'm i'll raise my hand I, I do think that uh you know that's another road we could go down but i'm, I'm behind that uh you know the the 20 percent of the people who get involved with that black lives matter sort of really put a uh, a black eye on the uh uh, on the whole movement, and, which is occurring. But Dana's son uh, looked at his dad's unbelievable record called How About Us, which was really an all-time great hit, uh, one-hit wonder type thing. And, uh, and, he, and so he grew up with his dad. And so uh, Justin is his name. Uh, Justin took that tune. And, and Justin is very savvy, Gary. He's very uh, you know, uh, video savvy, uh, you know, music uh, editing savvy, and the list goes on savvy. 
And so he, and he's also been doing some rapping of himself, he, uh, keeping the family tradition alive. He sort of got into a, he has a stage name, which I forgot, and he's been doing some work within that. So he took his dad's song, put some different riffs to it, How About Us, and sort of made this message about how about us overcoming all these things and sort of made it really a beautiful thing. And uh, I helped him uh, get it to a couple different places in the Chicago Tribune uh, picked up on it uh, because uh, the guy is from Champaign and uh, they did a nice article on it and gave him some love and you know, off to the races. I have friends and relatives that went to University of Illinois. My sister uh -huh. went there, and how about that? A friend of mine from high school. So, um, Wait, yeah. you know, I was a North Side of Chicago kid for a long time. Not no, a long time, but yeah, five really? about yeah about seven, about six about six years. I lived in a town called Northbrook and also Northfield. Um, I lived in Glenview. Oh, are you kidding? Oh my! She graduated God. from Glenbrook South. No way. We beat their guy. We kicked their butt. Glenbrook <laughs> South. Wow. Wow. Yeah. yeah, we could talk about that sometime. Another too. time. Yes. Well, Another that, time. It, it's really good, too. I mean, if you were behind it, I certainly can understand, uh, you know, the mark of Steve Allen. But to get an article like that in the Chicago Tribune or anybody's local newspaper there for you to be able to do that is the kind of pitch and placement that is the stamp of good public relations because journalists are inundated with pitches yeah. for people who think that what uh, they or who they represent is newsworthy. Well, well put. And, and you know what happens too? People don't get it. Well, because they do get it. I shouldn't listen to me. I sound like I'm so 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 adamant. People don't get it. Uh, no, let me start over. What what people should realize is that that let's just pick on that pub, uh, that uh, writer uh, at the Chicago Tribune who's got a column. He's, he does a lot of. He's, you're right. He probably you know he probably gets you know say 400 pitches a day. This is my guess. 300, 400. You go nationally. You go to Good Morning America, or you know you go to uh, you know, a Tamron Hall show or something, and they're probably maybe up to 600 a day. So how do you stand out? You know, what is it that you do right that, you know, how do you get your, how do you get your person in there? And that's the key. That's the key to PR. That's the whole, that's everything. I mean, that's it's so everything I can't tell you. It, and what happens, it comes through just about life lessons and life's lessons are tell the truth, be persistent, keep your light bright inside and don't give up. And then put that Rocky music in your ear and go forward. Because we're only here temporarily. We're only here temporarily. We'll be coming back. We're going to be coming back. We're going to, this is just a this is just a one timer. This is only round one of the scheduled twenty five round heavyweight bout. So you know what are we learning this lesson? Which goes to I tell you, you know what books I'm reading? I'm going to jump to a something, Gary. I'm reading guy. Remember Michael Newton? Michael yes, Newton in yes. the nineties. We, yeah, we. I think we've interviewed him. Uh, no, we tried to interview him, but he was uh, aged and did not wish to do interviews. But his oh, books live yes, on. Yes, he, yes. He, he wrote uh, 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 Journey of Souls and Destiny of Souls. Mm -hmm. I read them in the 90s. He, and, and, you know, I'm an old guy. So I tell you, he was out there. He was cool. I mean, you know, he was, you know, whatever. I was a promoter back then, so I know. And he had a lot of, he had a big following. Matter of fact, Llewellyn, is still selling an awful lot of his books, big time, big time. Same ones. And I picked it up again, a, a Destiny of Souls and Journey of Souls. And I forgot how good the brother was. 
he was really, really good. And because he sort of writes from from the uh, from the side of a professional, he was really a very, very good uh, psychologist, and he would do past lives, whatever. And then he stumbled upon. As he was doing a past life, he, they would slip and they would go, get it in the in-between when they're back up uh, 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 talking about their next uh, reincar uh, incarnation, reincarnation. And so that he found that fascinating. So he got that in there more so. He got rid of doing the past lives when you lived in Texas and you were the chainsaw massacre guy or, or you ran for senator or whatever. And he got in between, in between. And I'm telling you, ladies and gentlemen, I am fine. I cannot stop reading this stuff. What is like in between? What are you thinking about? What are you doing? What are you down here for? Why are you here, Gary and Suzanne? Why are you here? And what you realize is that you made a deal that you wanted to work on something. And I wanted to like see if I could get there closer. What do you mean get there closer? Well, obviously shed all those anchors that slow you down and those things that crop up into you, like we were just talking about when I'm talking to a Trump guy, I get those terrible little feelings. I want to punch him in the nose. Oh, come on, Steve. You know, come on, Steve. Work on those, those weaknesses. Because you, when you go back up, you're going to go, how did I do? How did I do? How did I do? Ah, anyways, I'm, I'm rambling on. Black, can I bring up one more point? Sure. What I thought was really interesting, Gary, is that when you come down here, like like Michael Newton was was stating, is that 100% of your soul hasn't entered into your body. The soul that entered into your body is not there 100%. What do you mean? It's usually, they say, around 50%. The other 50% is back up there waiting for you. And it's in your soul group. You usually travel with anywhere from five to 25 different souls, and you go through different lives together. Brothers and sisters, all kinds of different, my best friend, et cetera. And they said, well, and so Newton gets in there and goes, why, why not 100%? And they said, can you imagine if we put 100% of our soul inside of a human body in the brain, it would explode. They couldn't handle it. They couldn't handle all the, all of the, the light, all of the goodness. So we only could figure out, and before we go down, we know how much we want to put in. And usually it's around 50%, which is interesting. Because when you go back up, you reunite with your other half or your other 40% or your other 60%. I'm rambling on. I'm sorry. I and love that is, theory that you brought up. Well, and it's, this it's, is something we've discussed on our show many times, Steve. We, we, wonderful. we talk about this metaphysical kind of thing on yeah. our show. So this is not news to our listeners. They, they've heard a lot of this kind of thing before. Exactly. And it's so. interesting to hear you talk about it when, you know, you're in a business which is so left brain, um, you know, yeah. hardcore. And yet, you know that in addition to this physical world, there is a counterpart to it, a, a non-physical world. And, you know, what's involved in that, you know, we find that just as fascinating as you find it. Yeah. And a lot of the people. Well, that we you know, and I look at my wife differently. You know, I, I look at life differently. You know, I look at the, yes. uh, the, the pear and the apple. And yes. I look at the bird differently because, you know, it's, you're only here for a certain. And, and, and you, you look at me, you know, I've rounded third base. I'm heading towards home I, and I get that, you know, I'm not a kid anymore. I've been doing this how many years, 30 years. So I know I want to slide in and I want to be safe. So what is it that I want to do in my last leg? What is the journey? And I want to like, like both of you, I want to get brighter. I want to wake up to how beautiful I am and walk in that light. Obviously yeah. don't stand on a corner and say it because then you're a nut, but right. you, know, you, 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 you got to keep brightening and brightening. Can I tell you one last new book that I'm reading? I like a lot. Sure. 
Yeah, I love this author. You know who he is? reminds me of? A young Eckhart Tolle. Okay. okay. Yeah, he's like, he's like, cool. My daughter gave him to me. I said, Dad, I picked this up. And I, uh, yeah, let me put my glasses on. And the book is called Inward. Inward. It's, I cannot tell you how hip it is. I've read it two times now. And it's easy. And, uh, it's, and he goes by the name of uh, Y-U-N-G, last name P-U-E-B-L-O. Young Pueblo? Right. Young Pueblo? Yeah. Okay. So uh, definitely hip, definitely cool, uh, whatever. But that's 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 my uh, two cents to you. And this is why the columnist in question writing in the Chicago Tribune, I believe the gentleman's name was Jerry Davich, when he did this interview with Steve Allen, he put it right in his column that in his 25 years of journalism, he couldn't recall asking so many questions personal questions of a PR professional about the PR guy's personal life. And it's because <laughs> there's so much there. For you, for you to be both a, a thoroughgoing professional in the public relations field and publicity and to be metaphysically inclined is so powerful because we need it in this world. It's very badly needed now. Oh, you're telling me more so than ever, Gary. I mean, it, it's interesting where we're at. Floods are happening, uh, you know, climate control, political unrest, you know, bump, 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 you know, how do you deal with that? And like Suzanne was saying, how do we deal with talking to those Trump? How do we deal with light in general? And son of a gun, like, 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 like the big guy said, you know, seek first, seek first. You really have to put yourself in that position first and then go out into the world. Like, like where there's a poem on my website, Tis the set of sail, not the gale, which determines the way you go. You know, how, do you, how is your sail set? What do you think? Where are you going out into the world? What, what, what have you allowed to creep in? And uh, so, you know, and, 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 as, and as we all look at all three of us here. We're all in the same boat. You know, how, how do we brighten? What's the right thing? What's the right thing? Yeah. And uh, you guys are cool. Love you. And thank you for having me on. You're going to be back soon. Suzanne and I are not absolutely yes. as we look at the American landscape through the lens of public relations. Steve Allen, thank you, sir, so much. Great to talk to you again. Hey, hey, hey. See y'all later. All right. Stay Coming tuned. Up next. We have Christine Upchurch, followed by the Susan Harmon experience. And after that, American Road Trip Talk with host Gary Mance. Always happy to have you with your ears attuned to Seattle's home of alternative talk, AM 1150. Have a great weekend, everyone.